This is the one with great cannonballs of fire. Impromptu rain showers. Jehanova Beach. A dig at Stephen King movies. And not a bad date. It's called A Legend of the Sea Devils. Here we go! Whistle on our epic phrase. All through time and all through space. Whistle being an angel's hour. Dalek, Cyber, Zood, and Wow! Counting Sonic's rating out. From the poor to the sublime. Eccleston to Whitaker. Let's agree it's about time. Who back when? Reviewing on you who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and rate on iTunes, please. Rose and Donna. Amy Pond. Rory Clara. And beyond. Join, Join us on this side to see what other choice could there be but who back when? Who back when? Ladies and gentlemen, and all in between and beyond, welcome to an extra Easter special episode of Who Back When, a Doctor Who podcast. Or Docpast. That's right, this is N174 of 175, (laughs) Legend of the Sea Devils. I, as often, am Drew Back When, and as always, opposite me, in his own house. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's me, Leon here. Hello, Drew. Hello, podcast land. Chin chin. Hello, chin chin and old sponge. So, (laughs) this is the last episode we haven't reviewed, kind of. Holy smokes, you're right. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. We did an instant reaction review of Power of the Doctor. Yeah, people must be wondering, do we hate this? Do we love it? How much do we love it? How great is our love for it? (laughs) (laughs) Not much at all, let me tell you. Mm. Yeah, no, this is a pile of dog shit. Uh, How do you feel about it? I feel conflicted. Why? Because as (laughs) someone who sporadically publicly professes to be a Christian, I should be showing some grace by now as we bring this podcast in for a landing. Some compassion for these doughty cast and crew members who, in the middle of a pandemic, soldiered on under COVID restrictions to give us another dose of glossy entertainment to keep our spirits Is that what we're blaming this on? Because I would... uh, I see all you're saying... Uh-huh. I raise you two counter-arguments. Is one flux? One is flux. We praised flux. Uh, on average, yep. we praised it. Yep, yep. And two... Eve of the Daleks. <laughs> that wasn't going to be my number two. My number two was going to be... There's one thing that quite a lot of people, I believe both of us included, although we're not Doctor Who showrunners... Yet. It, there's some, Yet. <laughs> there's something that quite a lot of people had ample opportunity to do during lockdown. Do you know what that was? Write scripts? Yes. Aha! Write and redraft. And... Yeah. (laughs) Well, yeah, the second part of my high-level introduction is I'm also bound to preach honesty, and the truth is this is pants. Mm. I'm glad we're on the same page. But... Yes? I'm going to set up a question for the whole episode. Oh. Oh, I'm intrigued. The question is, is it more pants than the Curse of the Black Spot, for instance? Yes. Or, or, here's here's my (laughs) counter question. Is it partly just a victim of our ravenousness for Doctor Who content being sorely undersupplied over months and then overpromised by calling this a special when it might perhaps have sunk without trace or heaped opprobrium? as a mediocre episode cannily buried at the end of a series. No, I think there's quite a lot worse about yeah. this particular yeah. episode. Oh, well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, we will. <laughs> yeah, Podcast Land, you're in for a treat. That's exactly what we're going to spend the next 90 minutes doing. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's usually next on the menu, Drew? <laughs> Typically at this point, we digress into a B-scale. Oh, let's. Yeah, too late to change the formula now. <laughs> 
Time for us to synopsize, lebify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free for all. We like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. It was a dark and stormy night in the middle of the day on the road to Mandalay when Se Young rocked up beachside with a writ for mayhem and unleashed an ancient ocean demon. All because Keeper of the Secret Order's secret secret, Ying Wai, had a chip off the old blockhead son who didn't want to fight until he got his dad killed. And then he wanted nothing else if it meant he could take revenge on the woman who didn't do it. Into this gallimaufray of gibberish stumble team TARDIS finally landing on a beach the one time in the Doctor's history they weren't aiming for one. Long John Bishop gets hooked into comic sidekicking, while Yaz and Doc must match wits with a mega-mastering sea devil who wants to swirl the stars and flood the earth. Speaking of seeing stars, changing the pressure and getting super wet... Please go over, you are welcome. (laughs) Aren't you just... I think we just got away with that one. I think so too. Yeah, (laughs) moving on. Right, so, where do you want to start? Well, this is called an Easter special. Yeah, true. So we have to address the fact that it is in no way special. (laughs) Is <laughs> because because it's only 47 minutes. That is shorter than some regular series episodes yeah, by this point. that is true. It's also in no way Easter. <laughs> oh, it was dropped on Easter. Oh, but I mean, there is no Easter content. Exactly, exactly. It's not like a Christmas They're special, in. a New Year special. It, this this was called an Easter special, but I think, I think that's just the timing. That's it. Yeah, this was a production quirk in search of a meaningful drop date. Yeah, exactly. There has been one previous Easter special in Doctor Who's history. Oh, oh, yes. I looked this up. This is your favourite episode with the, your favourite side character. Yes, bar none. <laughs> <laughs> Planet of the Dead? Yeah. That's right. What a rich and storied history of Easter specials. Lady Doctor Who D'Souza something. Lady Christina D'Souza the fuckface. That's right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's got shit eaters. Mm-hmm. So does this one. This one's got shit writers. <laughs> so. <laughs> which, what, what do you think Ella Road has on chippers? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I don't know. I looked up Ella Road. Did you look up Ella Road? I didn't. Please enlighten me. Ella Road Road is on IMDb, where Ella Road has more acting credits than she does writing credits. This is, I believe, the last writing credit, and I didn't recognize any of the acting credits. So... It seems an oddity. Now, I'm not saying Ella Road can't write, I'm, although I'm saying this episode was very poorly written, but I am saying Ella Road does not seem like a TV writer to me. Right. Ella Road seems like someone who tried to make it as an actor, yeah. got a couple of opportunities to write. Very yeah. strange. To when she was acting, she made some Friends, networking maybe. connections. Exactly. They said, why don't you give this a go? Your acting isn't setting the world on fire. She pivoted. She yeah. wrote maybe a third to a half of a script. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that one such half of a script is half of this script. Did she have any prior Doctor Who connections? N- not that I'm aware, no. That is puzzling. Exactly. A lot it, about this episode is puzzling. It's almost <laughs> Nepo Baby territory. I don't know. I have no idea, but presumably it's just a LinkedIn thing. It just hmm. seems really odd to me. Also, it seems extra odd after a season and an episode in a row that Chibbers wrote on his own. Yes. To then pair up with someone else and then write something, produce something that is really subpar. In my view. If I had last. to guess, and this is pure speculation, I would... Do I even want to proffer pure speculation? Yes. Gossip. Gossip Chibbers had a frame, he had an outline, he had a mystery... And he gave it to Ella Road, who is someone 
who he knows somehow via the industry to polish it up. And so because he came up with the basic idea, he gets a credit, but she is the one who wrote it, turned it into a script. Yeah, that's that's perfectly plausible. I would still argue someone needed to rewrite this script. I'll get a third writer in stats. Yeah, chuck it out of writer's room. Or if you are 50% of the credited writers, definitely have another pass at it. Well, Chibbers is incredibly busy, as you said, with the whole other series, etc. And running the show. Yeah. So, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, it's possible. It comes back to what we've said previously, which is get the biggest writer's room possible and just throw them at the series and just churn those sausages out, baby. (laughs) Yeah, that is certainly... We're in complete agreement. That is certainly something that this this era, at least, has been missing. Yeah. I've previously suggested that Chibbers should have added another episode to Flux rather than staging this entirely. But now having seen this, I would add to that that this is almost singularly ill-suited to filming during a pandemic, this episode. So save the script for a future series, or if not TV, then maybe Big Finish, where the budget is less of an issue and you can actually have a pirate queen who commands a pirate kingdom rather than it's gone AWOL for the week. Well, that's the thing, exactly. It's like, oh, so she has no crew, not a problem. The sea devils are a sea devil who speaks and lots of sea devils who don't, who look like the same sea devil. Pretty, pretty straightforward stuff. Everyone in the village has been murdered, so we don't have to shoot any scenes with lots of people (laughs) in them. And most of this episode is done against a green screen, so or blue screen or whatever. Well, I read that actually, yes, okay, the stuff under the sea, definitely. But the pirate ship sets were apparently some of the biggest ever built. Really? They invested money in this? Yes, a lot of the stuff on deck is all real it's even more unforgivable at this point because if they're spending money on this that means they have time that means they see merit in it if you have a very finite budget surely part of that should be listen yeah we could build a ship set or we could not we do another bottle episode or we spend we invest a little bit more money to have another pass of the script or I'm sure they've got a ton of scripts that are just lying in wait somewhere. Is this really the best script that they received? No. No. Uh, Totally unforgivable. You wouldn't spend money on this. You absolutely would not build a freaking ship for this story. This is all lending credence to my theory that Chibbers has this in his back pocket. He's like, okay, we, we need this one. You go build the sets, you go write the script, and we'll all meet six months from now and everything will be (laughs) hunky-dory while I get busy with Flux and Eve and so forth. Yeah. And then it's like, hmm, right. There are a lot of loose ends in this script. How do we solve this one? Oh, just have him jump into the ship. How do we solve that one? (laughs) Oh, let's just not mention the sea monster anymore. How do we solve that one? Uh, Her crew got kidnapped by sea devils. Nope. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) I made a note on the jump specifically. Oh, yeah. Which is the sea devil just springs 100 foot off the ground into the flying ship. So we've progressed past the story cutting, the story short cutting of Praxius, where completely by coincidence, people have to pop up in the exact right place. Yes, you're already here. Great. We don't need to waste any more time. We've gone from that to an even further level of laziness, where you basically (laughs) give people powers of teleportation 
into the next scene. They are scene teleported. Uh, to be clear, this is an alien who, in this episode up until this point, has already shown himself capable of teleporting. He doesn't need to be able to jump. He could just teleport onto the oh, ship. Yes. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but no, because if he didn't do that jump, then he couldn't turn around and sneer at the Doctor for several seconds, being like, bet you can't jump that far. Yeah. By the way, don't worry about it. I'm not going to do so even once more in this episode. <laughs> no, no. You will be able to lose me incredibly easily. Just, just jerk the controls and you'll be able to escape. We need to segue just while we're on the subject of this, to the defining memory of this episode for me, okay. since it aired, yep. was my gnashing fury, oh. my teeth-grinding rage, about they are they have elevated the ghost ship, and they have yes. swung from that via ropes onto the lower ship in the water, yep. Madame Ching's ship. And then they need to get back without a second's delay onto the flying ship yeah. that's hovering above the ship they're on. Yes, correct. And what <laughs> the answer that the writers conceive is a CGI shot from below and the doctor shouting, Geronimo! And absolutely no sign that anyone is moving from one ship to the other. But that's enough. That's all it takes <laughs> for them to defy gravity Physics, storytelling logic, whatever. Yeah. A catchphrase. Uh, and, a, and a distant shot. I hadn't thought of it. You're so right. That hadn't dawned on me. I immediately saw it and I have never let it go. And perhaps I never will. <laughs> <laughs> also, can I just say, am I the only person who noticed that you had both a frozen and a wicked line reference in oh, that? Oh, really? I did not uh, Let it go and define gravity. I love it. Oh, um, oh in my own. Th- oh, okay. <laughs> That was not the one thing that's, that I remembered Ooh. from hating the first time that I saw this. Okay, okay. The thing that I remembered was that in one scene, it is perfectly sunny. Then all of a sudden, it is pouring <laughs> down rain. Yep. Then cut, just like whip pan across the beach. Yep. It is sunny again. They meet each other. It's rain. They have to fight. It has to be sunny. And so on and so forth. Yeah. Yep. I started making a list of things that don't make sense, but I know you don't like going plot point by plot point, so I had to <laughs> abandon it. <laughs> Sorry. But yes, it's sunny, <laughs> maybe 10 meters away from where it's a monsoon yeah, rain. Like exactly. The, the thatched roofs are dripping, are running with water. Not only that, but Team Tardis are quietly chatting on the beach, cracking wise, skimming stones, while everybody is screaming the first time around because Madame Ching's arriving. That's the timeline there. And then the statue explodes and they still don't hear a thing. And then once the sea devil is on its murderous rampage, I guess the wind has changed direction because suddenly everything is audible and off they crack. Yeah. Much like the sea devil did. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Okay. I mean, there's so much more. There's so much more. Yeah. You, you'd have one because I'll just go. I'll just go and go. Yes. All right. Here's a question. Okay. How come Doc, in fact, no one ever uses the term reverse the polarity, even once in this episode? The Sea oh. Devils are trying to reverse the North and South Pole. Oh, my goodness. Why not <laughs> refer to that as reversing the polarity? It's never been more appropriate, and I'll tell you what, I have been increasingly left cold by its inclusion, by its shoehorning into scripts, where it doesn't have any right to be, apart from to tickle some fanboys' gonads. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> here, oh my goodness, it was never been more missed apt. opportunity, right? Yeah, definitely, definitely, great points. Okay, do you want to do you want to pong me or shall I ping? I you mean, again? I'm moving on five seconds where I was before. Here we go. Yinki, yeah, he's the wait, stowaway. Wait, oh, okay, yeah. he's the son. He's the blockhead, the chip off the old blockhead. I hate him, by the way. Well, yeah, and maybe it stems from his very first moment, which is he tells his dad Madame Ching is heading for the statue. He knows his dad must defend it, and then he tries his best to stop him. It doesn't make sense in any number of ways. Like his dad has clearly told him in the past that his family has this duty. And so he's like, Dad, you've got to go do your duty. Dad, you can't do your duty. Like, either he needs to shut up or he needs to, like, grow a pair and become a man at this point and be like, okay, Dad, I really don't want you to die, so I guess I'll fight alongside you. Otherwise, what the hell am I doing? And That's a good point. Is He, he literally just stays behind, doesn't he? He is the most cowardly person in the village, and that is how he survives. That's very interesting. I hadn't thought about why he survives. But you're, you're absolutely right. He stays behind. Yeah. Which I guess goes hand in hand with the main reason I dislike him, and it, it being that he wants to avenge his dad, who's just been murdered. Yes. Five seconds later, he is all smiles and can't wait to join the Pirate Queen's crew. That's a few minutes later. My beef... <laughs> yeah, a few minutes. You're right. It's a few minutes later. A my few beef, minutes. Yes, my beef <laughs> is that the Doctor says, oh, look, this hexadecimal murder thing has flooded all his capillaries look he has clearly been killed by a non-human device yeah it's self-evident that madame ching zeng yatso was not your father's murderer yeah and then but had it not been for her intervention he would still be alive except it's his own intervention that has killed his father and this is annoying me because it never gets called out if he hadn't held back his dad if he hadn't said dad you need to exposit to me then his dad presumably could have just approached Zeng Yatso and said, look, I'm sorry, but there's more to this statue than you realise. We should talk this out. Like, maybe <laughs> don't start hacking away at it. Do you think she would have stopped to have a dialogue with him? Because I think... I if, don't see why not. I think if he had convinced... Sorry, if the son had, <laughs> had not convinced uh, the dad... I don't remember anyone's name, by the way. Yeah. If, if, if he had not convinced his dad to expose it then she would have murdered the dad. Okay. I don't maybe. think the dad would have survived either way. But it would have given them a chance rather than he has to get to her before she starts hacking at the statue. He's too late when he rocks up. That's so true. Yeah. ultimately, the responsibility for the death, at least in this timeline, lies with the lad. Yeah, fine. I suppose that is true. Also, she's hacking away at the statue with her sword. It doesn't seem like the best tool. Yeah, I have another question for you. Why is the sea devil a statue? <laughs> well, here we go. The sea devil is a statue because, as Cincy Hun says, there was a legend. This keystone can be used to entomb aggressors. And he says this when the sea devil, perhaps you might say aggressively has its sword around sunny boy's throat right and yet there's nary an entombing to be had <laughs> all of a sudden and this is the the thing that glows yeah the, the which does start g glowing at that point doesn't yeah, it yeah at that moment when it hasn't glowed at once in the episode to date and sunny boy has presumably picked among the shattered wreckage of this statue and found the keystone. The keystone was held in the same edifice 
as the thing in which it was entombing. So when it explodes open, why doesn't the sea devil just look down at its feet and go, oh, great, episode over. I'm going to flood the world now. Oh, that is interesting. I didn't realise that it was part of the statue in the first place. I thought the twist was the sun had it all along. And there's some a separate device that, when removed, undoes the... No, that was just a bullshit theory. I'm so sorry. Well, You're no, right. No, that would make sense. That would make sense. But why would the baby do... There are, there are two items. She yeah, hacks, Double MacGuffin. Yeah, she hacks one away. Yeah. She takes it, right? Yeah, that is not the keystone. But she the second she removes it, yeah. he is no longer a statue. He does that horrible blinking whilst made out of stone. Where he's like, I feel like that's not how it would work. But mm-hmm. anyway, because he blinks through the stone. Fuck it. Yeah, like the front of the stone eyeballs would fall away. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Ex- thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but she, so she removes an item, keeps said item. In removing said item, he is no longer entombed Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. incapacitated frozen in time i think they refer to it as which is not what that seems like to me at all but but that item that she again keeps on her person is not the item no no later on she says it wasn't just a statue it was hiding the keystone the keystone has been with the kid since he since the statue ceased to hide the keystone and the sea devil didn't get it, and the kid did somehow get it, and it's not this thing which is some sort of map, maybe? I don't think it... Is it ever specified what the thing that she takes is? No, I don't think so. (sighs) Right, okay, 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 okay. Yeah, okay. (laughs) More questions? Carry on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You know how the stars that we see in the sky are the lights that those stars... (laughs) shone into space like tens hundreds millions of uh, of of millions of years ago yeah yeah which is why switching the sky off is a more involved process than you might think yeah so so, so why do some of them act like fireflies when you swap swap the poles around because actually they do revolve around the earth and (laughs) galileo was wrong yeah okay cool your turn Right. I love episodes like this. <laughs> We've both had a bad week. I think it's fair to say, Podcast Land. Like, <laughs> both Drew and I have had intense work weeks. Yeah. So. <sighs> okay, okay. I've got a good one for Chibbers you. Chibbers and Ella, you just got in the way. <laughs> if you are an ambitious fleet commander yeah. of the Black Flag Fleet, yes. and you want to put pressure on the only person in charge of you, then do you ask. Well, once you've taken hostages, do you A ask her for a realistic chunk of pirate change or b demand that she find treasure that has been missing for three centuries (laughs) (laughs) so this is where (laughs) yeah this is where i think something went wrong in the rewrite because you're very right to call this out this is what I meant before by her crew has been kidnapped and not even by sea devils. Mm-hmm. If the crew had been kidnapped by sea devils, it would make sense to yeah. task her with finding exactly the keystone and all of this stuff. Yes, yes, it would. She would. That would all be part of the same quest. You could narrow it down to one MacGuffin. Yeah, it's basically chief sea devils crew who are trying to rescue their captain by kidnapping her crew and forcing their captain 
to rescue yada yada yada. I like the symmetry. So there's a exactly. So that would make sense. I would assume that that was the original intention, but you're right. It that makes no sense. It's like oh no, fuck it. I can't think of a worse example. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this episode is breaking new ground. At least Guopodai really existed and he led the Black Flag fleet. That is yep. one tiny little historical nugget in this episode, which is sort of masquerading as a historical and doing a really bad job of being less interesting and less sensible than history. I remember this being a point of contention at the time. Oh, yeah? I did not look into this at all this time around, but I remember... What's her name? Madam Ching? Yes. I remember it being said at the time that she's a real person, or she was a real person, yeah, with a super interesting story in her own right. An incredible life. Exactly. Wasn't necessarily a pirate. Like She, she led some sort of trading fleet. I can't remember what it was, but she was a freaking powerhouse. Absolutely. And instead she's been reduced to just action side character of the week here. Yeah. There's no historical lesson that it's a wasted character. Yeah, and also some of the limelight is given over to an entirely fictional dude pirate. Yes. Who then overshadows the yes. real pirate queen. Exactly. Yeah. I watched the video on the BBC website, which may have been produced as some kind of sop, some kind of minor compensation about Zeng Yatso's history. And I apologize, by the way, for all the name mangling I'm doing. I'm trying my best. She started off as a sex worker on a floating brothel. Uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Instantly, you piqued my interest. She yep. started off working her way up the ladder, gaining power and influence by trading her clients' secrets. Oh my she God, that's so cool. get them into bed, get them to talk, and then just play politics and blackmail and have them over a barrel, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> and, and from there, she married, I think, Zheng Ya, and so just means wife of Zheng Ya, Okay, I think. And... Between them, they established and ran a pirate confederation. It was built on piracy, but it was 70,000 pirates. Yes, yes, I remember it being an enormous number. So it sort of starts to gain legitimacy because governments have to concede to it. Like it, it mentioned this video how she introduced a law code and a passport system. Like she basically ran the seas with mafia tax offices. The Chinese government asked the British and Portuguese navies for help in tackling the pirates, and all three of them couldn't bring her down. Right, so that is the story you want to tell. One billion percent. Just wait until after lockdown to tell it. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. Or tell go some with nonsense the big in the meantime. Just have... Yes, exactly. Yeah, just have the audio environment with 70,000 friggin' pirates and all this going on. It's amazing. Exactly. Where where did the black flag dude hide or cage the 70,000 hostages? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the slight historical element of truth there is that she was able to bat back all the navies and the Chinese government for a while, but Guo Podai started to withdraw his support for her. And so she eventually had to seek a deal, but only because he was weakening her as as formerly a treacherous former part of her operation. Right. It wasn't that she was actually defeated in any battles. Right. So, 
Yeah. This brings me on to the Flor de Lamar. What is the Flor de Lamar? Do you have any idea? No, not at all. Okay, so the Flor Domar. Yeah. But it has been anglicized very slightly as the Flor de Lamar was a Portuguese carrack. It was a three-masted ship. It was a giant gold-laden hulk. The Portuguese conquered Malacca. Do you know the Straits of Malacca? No. Basically, it's between Kuala Lumpur and Singapore. Okay. And it's a flashpoint today. It's a really important trade route. It controls all the trade between India and China, especially back at this time. Oh, my goodness. You okay. can imagine how rich the guys that own the trading posts there became. The Sultan of Malacca was attacked by the Portuguese. They looted his palace. They loaded up the Flor de la Mar and it sank with all his treasure in. Okay. In like 1511. Right. So this episode has ruined two entirely completely different fascinating historical stories the account of the conquest of malacca involves war elephants a portuguese captain being shot in the face but still refusing to leave his posts you've got persian bowmen gunpowder mines a mutiny again it would be beyond doctor who's even disney plus budget to stage it but it's weird that the portuguese- i don't know you say that well, yeah, I don't know how much but during, money we might throw I mean, it. even recently during the flux season, we had incredible set pieces that could very easily have lent, as in that caliber, mm. so to speak, could very easily have lent itself to <laughs> everything that you just You're said. You're thinking of the Sontarans in the Crimea? For example, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And maybe- Enormous scope, incredible production value, lots of costumes. Mm. It's a pseudo-historical environment. yeah. And I thought that if you were a bit queasy about it essentially being a story of colonial conquest, because it was the Portuguese vastly overmatching with superior firearms the Malay force, later on, you've got the bit where the Portuguese and the British can't defeat this woman, and the Chinese pirates have caught up, and they're not letting the empires push them around anymore. So if you want that angle, it's there, rather than completely just salting the earth or the sea the salting the salt water for two stories with such potential yeah (laughs) they fought with jingles which are muskets that are two and a half meters long and need three people to operate them they are basically 19th century shoulder cannons (laughs) and yet all her crew has gone walkies we, we we need we need to stop because this is just saddening. It <laughs> tremendous, is. tremendous missed <laughs> opportunity. Here. The more research I did, the sadder I got. Dude, dude, tell me something you liked about this episode. There must be something. Yeah. Even, even just a line. No, 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 no. Yeah. There's exactly... <laughs> there, I was going to say, there's exactly one line. There's, there is one... There's one line and one cut that I really... It, that made me chuckle. Okay. It's fairly stereotypical. I don't mm. care. I did like it. It was... Dan going, let me do the talking here. Yeah. Immediate cut to they're hanging upside down. Yeah. One of my notes is John Bishop as Dan doesn't actually do too badly here. Really? <laughs> my first note about him is Dan can't act. <laughs> but he's not required to. Most Really? Yeah. Mostly. He is an actor. <laughs> yeah, but he is the comic relief here. Yaz says at least you didn't bring the hook. All he's got to do is lift his arm. Yeah. Even John Bishop can do that. Yeah. And it elicits True. a chuckle from me. True. There is the mis- there is the misunderstanding over his age. 70, 60, and then he says, I'm 42. That, yes, you're right. Yeah. yeah. 
You should see my mum. Yeah, this is his wheelhouse. No, that's a bad one. <laughs> I'm counter arguing. Oh. oh, okay. The the whole thing, Dan murders someone. Dan and well, Jihan. Oh, that's a whole other thing. Actually, we should talk about. Yeah. Dan and Jihan. Yeah. That's his name, right? Jihan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're surrounded by sea devils. Mm-hmm. There's some growling. Dan does not try to negotiate with them. Uses his lightsaber, kills all of them. Yeah, with two swings. With two swings. You should see my mum. I can't do the accent. This is maybe a couple of minutes after Jihan has murdered one sea devil. Yes, and got told off by the doctor for doing so. Yeah. And And that's also the chief sea devil who has been tormenting him for 274 years and the rest of them for a few minutes. Exactly. And about 15 minutes before Doc murders all of the sea devils. Oh, she does? Well, doesn't she? Oh, the giant implosion. Exactly. Doesn't that kill all of them? I. It certainly kills everyone in the base. I sort of was under the impression there weren't many left, weirdly. Wait, because they've killed all of them? I guess. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, could be. Could be. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Doc's fine as long as there isn't a single face to stand as a representative for the race she is obliterating. Either way, Dan lightsabers <laughs> a handful of sea devils, living yep. beings, yep. murders them, fine, kills them in self-defense. But he kills them nonetheless, mm-hmm. and afterwards has a one-liner about, you should see me mum, which does not make sense. Why? Does your mum also murder handfuls of living beings? I, I don't know what you're trying to say, Dan. Hmm. Yeah, okay, take your point. Okay. <laughs> all I can remember about his mum is, where the hell have you been? <laughs> That's all I can put to her. Yeah, maybe that was the whole thing. There's like, oh, hey, mum, give me that walk because I know that you can murder aliens with your bare hands. Yeah, she's the one who taught him all his unconventional weaponry skills. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay, uh, your turn. Tell me something you liked. Okay, I kind of liked the directing in this one. Kind of. It, what I tell you what I liked okay. is... <laughs> Podcast land can't see the face I'm making. Okay, go, it's go on. It's one of... Well, it's a cross between scepticism and he's been disemboweled, podcast land. Like, there's... You're talking about me, I didn't realise. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I kind of liked all the shots looking up at the sea devil just hacking and slashing at the camera. That was fairly visceral. And Wait, in the beginning? Just it was. There was quite a lot of it throughout, I think, and there was also a... Because the village, shot... the version of that in the village I thought was terrible. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But I just assumed that was a budgetary constraint or maybe a lockdown constraint. I may be conflating good with different, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Because it is is at least a style I haven't seen before in Doctor Who. Yeah. And there's only so many times you can do this before you've seen it all before. So perhaps the novelty factor here is slightly biasing my judgment. You know that one scene where Dan takes his hand, puts it behind himself, shits into it, and then presents it to camera? Different. (laughs) (laughs) That was your dream, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. (laughs) Never made it to air. I watched the director's cut. Maybe we watch different versions. (laughs) Yeah, carry on. Sorry. Okay, okay. So that's not... No, no, it's fine. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... What's, What's the term... What what do the kids say? Yuck your uh, yum, whatever it oh, is. Oh yeah, 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 I could understand that. Okay, four Jody lines. Oh, I liked four Jody lines. Wonderful. Let's hear them. Yeah. How do you want me to address you? Where is it, Mister? Where is it, Lord? Where is it? It's so s- yeah. snarky. Yeah, that and was then, nice. And then short hop, few centuries, and the understatement is allowed to just happen. Okay. And not be 
ham, hammered home. And Yaz is asking whether she's got a plan. And the doc never has a plan. And she always finds a different way to dress it up. And then I'll dazzle you with a beautiful bit of improvisation. Yes, that was, yeah, I agree. That was a very nice one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then including me wife. I made a note of that as well, because oh, yeah. I don't think that means anything. Uh-huh. So here's the full line. I went into the transcript. I copied the whole paragraph. Because it's a nice... We should talk about Doc and Yaz. And we shall. I really like that part of this episode. Here's the full paragraph, or the full line delivery from the Doc. Yeah, hopefully, probably, definitely. One of those. I just need to get this done. You know what I said earlier about not being a bad date? Well, dates are yeah. not something I really do, you know? I used to, have done... And if I was going to, believe me, it'd be with you. Yeah. What's next? What's next? What's the very next thing that she says? Yeah, exactly. The next thing she says is, mm. I think you're one of the greatest people I have ever known, including my wife. That means nothing. One of the greatest people I have ever known, including my wife. She's not saying you're the greatest person of all the people I've ever known, including my wife. She's saying, you're one of the greatest people I've ever known, including my wife. Yeah. So, so what? That doesn't... She doesn't. She isn't ranking her with or no. ag- against no, her No, but wife. she's mentioning her in the same breath as one of the most significant relationships in her millennia-long life. I, I guess what I'm thinking is, this is not how you use the word including. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're saying. Once you break it down and say it that slowly, it that, doesn't flow as well. Like, that was written for the screen. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. someone committed that to paper. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it, yeah. I actually have less of a problem with the exact syntactical perfection or imperfection of that sentence than the fact that, much like in the last episode, at the absolute climax of the action, where time is of the essence, they waste it on this. They're like, this is the perfect moment for me to just fill the... Well, it was not dead air. It's not dead air. It's never more lively air than when she's trying to save all their lives and concentrate. She messes up the connections. Like, she shortcuts it by 50 seconds because she distracts herself with this nonsense. Hmm. And it's not nonsense except in this bloody context. You know, don't get me wrong. Because I think this is a really nice moment, but I think that's... Essentially, before Podcast Land thinks that I'm just a heartless grammar fascist, Mm -hmm. that's not all I am. The the addition of including my wife seems a gratuitous bid at levity. It's just added in order to then veer off into, what, you have a wife? Or what, you've been married? And a frankly hilarious line, something, I'm paraphrasing something like, yeah, but I was a very different man back then. Mm -hmm, Uh, Fun, that's fun. But that's not what that paragraph set out to do. It's really nice up until the, believe me, it would be with you. Full stop, stop there. Or even if you have to press on, stop before including my wife so that it's just, I think you're one of the greatest people I've ever known. Have an explosion or something in the background. Sorry, we can't continue this conversation. We need to do something else. I don't know, maybe the doctor is still finding it hard to say what she wants to say to Yaz without then undercutting it with a bit of levity. Then phrase it better, Doc. (laughs) I thought that it also served (laughs) perhaps as an argument for why her and Yaz don't just get down to it immediately because in some sense the doctor is still married and her romantic affiliation is still elsewhere to a degree so would it be adultery if she then started up with someone else no i don't 
No. Obviously, oh, I see what, I see what you're saying. A, obviously, it's not a regular marriage, but I don't know how. And obviously, the writer can entirely specify how the doctor sees it or not. So to hide behind it is disingenuous. Does Capaldi? Okay, hang on. Wait. So Capaldi and River, yes, have their final night, which lasts possibly twelve years or something. Twenty-one. Twenty-one. Hey, I got the numbers. The individual digits, right? I think you might be right. Oh, no, maybe it was twenty. Doubting myself. Oh, uh, whatever it was. It, decade in brackets. S. Yeah. During that time, do they have a child? Oh, goodness, that would be canonically significant. <laughs> Do you think they have a child? No, because it's never mentioned. Because. Okay. Ah, ooh, you're ahead of me. Susie, first companion of the docks, was his grandchild. Meaning at some point, Doc Mm. will have had a child who then went on to have a child. Yep. So if Susie's mum is not... Sorry, no. I was going to say it's not River. No, if Susie's parent, either parent, is not the child of River Song, yeah. then there has already been what you termed potential temporal adultery. But how many times have all the Time Lords been killed? How do you mean? I mean, how many times has Gallifrey been destroyed? Yeah, countless times. So it's very possible that the Doctor's first wife or husband, who knows, could have died. Yeah. Do you know who else died? River, River Song. Oh, yeah. So actually... Completely fine. Yeah, Otherwise, we... Doc should never be allowed to have any other relationship. You are quite right. We know exactly where River ends up in the Stepwood Wife section of the line. That's right. Yes, you're yeah. right. Although her her timeline in the Doctors is sort of backwards, so maybe the Doctor is in one sense still expecting her to just pop up and be like, okay, let's pick up where we left off. How awkward. I got my arm around this shoulder now. <laughs> Would it bother River at all? Probably, Probably not. not. Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, this is good stuff. <laughs> Although he would catch hell from Amy. Perhaps Amy married Rory in the white dress and everything. She might have very old fashioned ideas about marital propriety. And he doesn't want her coming after him or her coming after her even. Watch out, shooty catler. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked it in the sense that. I mean, we could talk about them more fully, their final scene. Yeah. And the Highlander echoes about everybody dies in the Yes, end. exactly. And yeah. if I have to experience this one more time. Doc's experienced this a bunch of times already. Yeah. Surely. Well, it nearly broke Capaldi on a platonic level. Yeah. Tennant and Rose seemed to have no probs until Tennant was split in two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Doc has dipped his quill or her quiller men- many a time. Mm-hmm. Unda- you, you don't- and woman a time, probably. <laughs> yeah. One doesn't simply travel through space and time without uh, getting jiggy every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly, jiggly-wiggly. <laughs> exactly. Where was I going with this? Uh, going with this? I'm not sure. It's the heartfelt scene at the end. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Highlander. That's what it was. Yeah, their final conversation. I'm possibly too cynical about this. I felt like the only reason they couldn't get together was that Jodie Whittaker's contract is one episode away from running out. Oh? That's the only reason. You don't think that would have heightened the tragedy, the pathos to come in The Power of the Doctor? Yeah, well, yes, it certainly could have. Mm. We've talked once before, I can't remember where it was, but at some on some prior occasion, I think possibly even recently, on Who Back When, 
We took no. It was the it was the first time that we reviewed Eve of the Daleks. That's what it was. I've listened to it okay, recently, but right. yeah, we talked about like oh how how abrupt is the emotional development between Doc and Yaz? Incredibly so. Very very abrupt. The way to resolve it is one of there are essentially two two methods of resolving this. Either you continue having this incredibly abrupt heightening of of emotions, possibly legitimized by the fact that. The 13th Doctor sees the end of her run, starts fizzing from the fingers, goes, hey, do you want to see what one of these feels like? No, yeah. and, and <laughs> not time, like in general. Like... And time themselves has said to the Doctor, You're, I'm going to fuck you up soon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so therefore, it's like a carpe diem scenario for Doc. Doc goes, shit, I don't have much time left and I don't want to lose. I've wasted so much time up until now. I've been postponing this moment, Yaz, but I don't want to waste another moment because I have precious few moments left and that then heightens that relationship. Yep, that's one argument. The other option is you gradually grow a relationship between the two of them. They don't reveal their emotions to one another the 13th Doctor regenerates into the 14th Doctor. Yaz, however, stays on the show. Oh, and yeah, but she could. She and could. Then, she could, and then there would be more time to substantiate yeah. the, the emotional crescendo. You're absolutely right. There is nothing wrong with that argument apart from the fact that Yaz is not one of the greatest people the Doctor has ever known. I can say that categorically. Agreed. Agreed. And her saying that is as fake and abrupt as the hairpin turn we have taken to get to this point in their relationship. Yeah, but I guess people are attracted to... We all are at some point in our life or at some points in our lives attracted to someone else and completely convince ourselves usually in our adolescence completely convince ourselves <laughs> that holy moly that person is the greatest person i've ever met that is uh, they're so amazing that they're so good at this and they're so cute at that and they're so clever and they're so creative and so fun and so charming and amazing in the sack and whatever else it might be and we convince ourselves that it's um, this is the one. Yeah, that there is such a thing as the one. Yeah. yeah. Most of us have felt like that more than once, mm-hmm. meaning we were wrong at least once. <laughs> yeah. And Doc is perfectly allowed to be wrong here as well, just as Yaz is perfectly allowed to be wrong about Doc. I People fall say, in love for all kinds of reasons. I would say that that is more permissible for Yaz, or more plausible and likely for Yaz, rather, because it's not for me to permit or not, because Yaz is still in her early 20s as a character. Yeah. Whereas the Doctor is a being who perhaps there's no one more chronologically distant from their adolescence than this character. She has had over a dozen lifetimes. Yeah, true. And I'm, not saying, that, I'm not saying she has to be level-headed and boring and completely stony and cold and immune to those sorts of feelings because those feelings they run away with themselves but i don't i just don't see what it could possibly be (laughs) from yas's run she blunders twice in the same scene here mere minutes before the doctor says she's one of the greatest people doc has ever known now that doesn't mean she has to be one of the cleverest people because clearly she isn't she gives away all the doctor's bargaining tactics and then she says something else stupid like i say in the same scene she hasn't learned her lesson like while Yaz does sometimes get to show some policing skills and some organizational nous, she's mm-hmm. been paying attention at her training, clearly. <laughs> yeah. And 
she is slightly braver than the utterly pathetic, mediocre characters that she also travels around with, Ryan, Graham, Dan. Yeah. She's a little less inert than them sometimes. True. That's as far as it goes. From there to one of the greatest people Doc has ever known is an unbridgeable gulf. I completely agree. Yeah. So, yeah. Still, nice date. It was one of the best things about the episode. I'm going to say Jodie is one of the best things about this episode. Really? Really, yes. Wow. Okay, yeah. I feel slightly meh about it. I'm going to steal this from my rating, but I got the sense here, finally, of Jodie really rising above the material, of it being unworthy of her and her doctor. Like, we've (laughs) we've enjoyed 13 a lot lately. She's some hyperbolic gestures aside been in our eyes better like she's shown the promise that we saw in that first episode and so i felt something i haven't felt too many times before in quite this way that what a shame that she's stuck with this yeah is how i would put it the do you remember how ryan was towards the end he was barely there yeah uh, but he was there he was on screen yeah and you could see his soul gradually withering away behind his eyeballs. <laughs> Seeing one Hollywood opportunity after another just dry just up. Just flicker out. <laughs> Actually, not even <laughs> flicker out. Just move around like a firefly. You know, like stars do. And <laughs> <laughs> in a sense, that is Jodie Whittaker for me in this episode. Oh, really? Yeah, but because I agree with you to a degree... That she has already proven that she can be a good doctor, and she was perfectly, perfectly fine. She was good in flux. Yeah. Only recent, like only just now, yeah, for a whole year. So why should she then be lumbered with this trash? Mm-hmm. And you could, I feel like you can tell. Oh, really? There are a couple of... I can't actually put my finger on any particular scenes right now, but I'm only saying this now because you've sparked this in me. Okay. So I may be wrong, but I feel like there are moments in this episode where where you can tell that she goes to herself, I'm better than this. Like, why, why am I going out on this? Oh, I didn't get that. Why couldn't I go out on the last one? I'm thinking specifically of when she finds Sihan in the exact same... Not quite brink of death prison set up that Tim Shaw set up for his stens of victims. Oh, flipping eggs, you're so right. And which Graham and Ryan then imprisoned him in, in a yep. delicious irony. Yep, you're right. Again, more <laughs> questionable morals from the companions, or questionable ethics. Yes, indeed. And I saw her looking at him, and because there weren't three companions all standing around, and they didn't have to flip from one to the other, and then Ryan's cardboard face... You were able to hold on her, actually showing real concern and empathy for this guy in this situation. Bandit Guild, not so much. But Jodie, I saw it in her face, and I was like, oh, if we could have had this all along. That's a fair point. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't think she checked out during this episode particularly. But maybe I missed it. No, well, maybe I'm imagining it in retrospect. Because hmm. I did not think about this a couple of nights ago when I watched this episode. I think you're right. I, as in, I think you're right that she is possibly the strongest thing about this episode. Mm. Oh, rad. No, there is one stronger thing. Oh, and that really? is the force of gravity 
because she is turning the undersea floor base into the densest place on Earth. No problems with that, surely. Wait, is that true? Yep. <laughs> yep. Let me read from the transcript. Please if do. If I localize the power, this base becomes the densest place on Earth. Right. Are they in the center of the Earth? No. They are They're just kilometers, under the... thousands of kilometers from the core. Yeah. Well, would that not mess up the poles slightly more even than the sea devil was intending to? Yeah, they they go back up to the surface. All's fine now. <laughs> Look up at the sky. Stars like fireflies all over the place. Like, no, no, I swear they were like that before as well. No worries. <laughs> End credits. <laughs> also, why doesn't the Meg or the Meg of the Week, whatever it's called. Where the shit is that Meg? Well, I'll tell you where it should be. It should be absolutely slamming into the densest place on Earth. The gravity should be acting on that first of everything. Why is the Meg not part of the third act crescendo? Like, why Why is the Meg not part? The Hua Shen. Doc uses the bad guy's technology yeah. against the bad guy. Uh-huh. Why not include in that the Meg? Because it just shows up whenever, wherever, who cares why, we need something else in this scene. We have the Hua Shen, let's bung it in again. Is it controlled by someone in particular? How, sorry, by something in particular? I'm... I think the sea devils, if they don't control it, they being aquatic beings, they are closer to it. They understand right, it better, okay. I think. I'm not quite sure whether they can... So the, there is a... Wait, it tells them that it's found the keystone at one point. Oh, the doctor what, the dragon it, tells them? Yeah, the doctor refers to it as a sniffer dog. Found out by a sniffer dog. Because oh. that's how the chief sea devil knows that she's lying. Because gonna... the, the jobby... Yeah, <laughs> the, the Hua Shen has told them that the keystone is on the surface. Right. Okay, hang on. I'm going to have to find the episode. I can't remember what it's called now. I think it's Warriors of the Deep. One second. It is Warriors of the Deep. In well Warriors of the Deep, described on Who Back When as Die Hard meets Jurassic Park meets Johnny Mnemonic in this underwater base under siege. Sounds amazing. I remember it being a mi- fantastic. I gave it 2.0. Fifth Doctor serial featuring the Sea Devils and the Silurians. In that one, the sea devils have a sort of dinosaur okay. guard dog, attack dog creature. It's not a gigantic right. dragon. It's like a lumber. It's a dude in styrofoam. It's fantastic. So it's this called is, a murka. This is a parallel or an analog or whatever. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah, very possibly. Yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say with that. But in essence, yeah, it's not the first time that they're wielding some kind of reptilian beast. Yeah. Still, I... Feel like we're just leaving a village full of corpses and a sea full of a dragon. <laughs> and anyone <laughs> yeah. who comes looking for any, you know, next time the postman stops by this village and goes, "Holy fuck, everyone's dead!" Dragon eats him. Yeah, yeah. But also, don't forget that we have a new Earth's core in the ocean. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, above the oceanic crust. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure, that'll work out well. The, a chunk of the Earth is going to adopt the former Sea Devil base as its core and just like crack away from the Earth. There are now two Earths. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's fine. One for the Sea Devils, one for us. Yeah. That was another thing that annoyed me. Oh, really? When the Doc tells Yaz, one of the greatest people she's ever known, yeah, <laughs> that this species consider the Earth as their own because they were here before humans. Yas just says, that's not good. Rather than, oh, maybe they have a point. 
that's that's so true. Yeah, maybe they have yeah. a prior claim. Oh right, yeah. No, maybe 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 we should hear them out. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe we should take them seriously, like engage in dialogue with them as equals, as sentient autochthons of this planet. Has has Yaz ever met the Silurians? Don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Because that's a but, similar situation, isn't yeah. it? I mean, and they're also yeah. treated fairly shabbily. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Speaking of annoy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually written in my note. You know what annoyed me in this one? Since when do sea devils have a ship? Who says that? Doc says that. Doc says that, yeah. But it's so tr- true. Why do they have a ship? I'll tell you why it annoys me. I know that they are aquatic creatures and they have no need of ship. Yeah. The Doctor has seen quite a few things by this point, from the depths of the ocean to the stars above. Her reacting in this way to the apparently unprecedented doesn't give me chills. It doesn't fill me with excitement. It just smacks of essentializing species. But they're all the same. They're not complex. One of them's doing something different. I'm completely befuddled. Yeah, how, how come they can wear different clothes or speak in different languages? By the way, they do speak in different languages. One of yeah. them speaks English here for no reason whatsoever. But <laughs> Hundreds of years apart, and one of them's behavior is varying also slightly, and it completely fried my brain. <laughs> really just hacks me off. She it's, is the great adventurer, the great encounterer of new information. No, she's a racist because <laughs> she just <laughs> generalizes. This is like ethnic generalization. Anyway... Similarly, someone else in this episode encounters a situation that I would argue they've encountered before and is completely confounded, totally befuddled by this. Yaz. Right, right. They're under the water. They're under the sea. Wanda da sea, under the sea. (laughs) (laughs) Open the doors to the TARDIS, which looks very nice, by the way. The the effect looks very nice. Oh, absolutely, yes. And lovely, Yaz goes, lovely CGI moment. You're under the. You, you, you're. You, we're underwater. Don't open the doors. <laughs> we we've been in space. Yeah. She's been in space. They've yep. opened the doors. Oh yeah. Flip like what? What is nothing? Who cares about water? I could understand how she might be concerned. Water might act differently because there's nothing to rush in in space. There's just vacuum sucking stuff out, whereas well, water, it could flood the TARDIS potentially. She doesn't know the shield works both ways. No, you're right. A little a little bit of water inside the TARDIS, or even a little bit of water in the TARDIS, much scarier than being sucked <laughs> into the pitch black vacuum of space. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, she knows it's a time and space machine. She doesn't know it's also a submarine. No, no, it's no. indefensible. No, no. I, for a second there, I was entertaining it, but no. <laughs> There is a thing about that shot as well. When the sea floor disappears, Uh all the rich wildlife, the David Attenborough Blue Planet documentary we've been treated to at this point, everything just disappears. And I get that the corals and the sand go, but the animals, they're all gone too. Just instantly. Yeah, that's true. It's lazy. It's lazy, and I don't think that they knew what was happening when they even filmed this. Because there's the, you could ask yourself as well, like, why does Yaz not notice that the ground beneath them just suddenly disappears and that there are cracks everywhere? She doesn't notice. Because for Yaz, the earth moves whenever the doctor walks by. Oh, you hopeless romantic. (laughs) But you're right. You're right. And how do they not see and hear the statue cracking at the beginning and all sorts of other things? Yes, because I think they've been... I think they're in front of a green screen for much of this production, aside from when they're on the apparently record-breaking ship set. Eat your heart out, Kevin Costner. But... (laughs) 
Uh, and for that reason, they don't know what to expect. They mm. may be told, this is going to look amazing. Or, oh, something's just going to sneak up on you, Yaz. Just act as though it sneaks up on you. And then afterwards in post, they go, hmm. This episode is even shorter than it ends up being. We need to pad it out with this really cool effect of the ground cracking and disappearing underneath you and all the corals and, and the wildlife dying. <laughs> but Yaz isn't reacting accordingly. I think you are on something here because they had time to fill. We've already said this was the shortest so-called special, yeah. not a special, ever in Doctor Who's history. And it brings to mind the full minute of that fisherman just in his tiny boat with his nets... And Hua Shen just takes that long to swim underneath him. He's grabbing onto the net. It rears over him. It comes down again. It swallows him whole. That is a precious minute, so yeah. you would think. But actually, yeah, I think there's a fair old bit of padding the post-production team have had to add in to stop this being even shorter, which is so weird when there's so much going on in this episode. It's just none of it joins together. No. If they spent the time to actually give it the connective tissue that it requires, it probably would have ended up being quite a balanced, well-paced, sensible piece of fiction. You never know. I doubt it. (laughs) But it's possible. It's possible. It is possible. You could have salvaged something from this wreck, I think. So to speak. I really do think. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, possibly. There's a lot that needs to be changed for that to be the case. But yeah, you may be right. So, dude, I have a question. Oh, okay. You've now seen all of Doctor Who ever broadcast. I have. Oh, yes, I have. Holy moly, I have. Yeah, yeah. You're now a JD-level expert. (laughs) I wouldn't say that. Okay, okay. But still, you saw the Sea Devils the first time around. Yes. What did you think of their return? Had you been looking forward to it? How do you think it was handled? You know what? I do remember the first time that we got a next time on Doctor Who or possibly next season on Doctor Who, whatever it was. Maybe the it was end a preview. Of the Daleks, it would have been. Is that what it was? Yeah. It certainly, at the very least, it was like a preview of the specials or something. And we got to see just that one shot of a sea devil turning around, coming into focus. And blinking. And blinking and thinking of. Oh, that is exactly what I want a sea devil to look like. That is that is such a magnificent modernization of that old classic foe. Yeah. I'm sure you've seen pictures of what the sea devils looked like back in classic times. They look like this, but with less budgets or lower budgets and fewer resources and more styrofoam and not the same kind of sort of prop skill set. And they look this, much less like living creatures. Much less. These were... Although it did dawn on me in this one that I think most of the motion around it has actually been animated, sometimes poorly so, in post. As in it's just, there's a lens effect on its throat as it speaks Mm. and that sort of thing. So I'm not sure that its mouth is entirely mobile either. It took me into the second watch of this episode, which I didn't want to do by the way, but I watched it too far out (laughs) last week to remember much. It has a glowing... That's the translator thing, which makes no sense in this episode. Only the chief has it. It matches up with when the chief is speaking. It pulses as his words are said. Yeah. And as he does so, I think we get to see the throat expand. But I don't think that the throat prop expands. I think they've added a lens effect on the throat as the light blinks. Yeah. And it wouldn't make sense for the throat to pulse in the same sequence as the translation into English. That's so so true. That's That's so true. Yes, you're right. 
but it doesn't matter. It, it, not for me. I'm looking at its mouth, and its mouth is also sort of moving, but not for any purpose that I can see. So it's yeah. kind of distracting, really. They didn't want to leave it completely still because then it just looks cheap and like it's a slightly shinier version of the 70s iteration but yeah i feel like i don't know i didn't warm to it no i think they did a fantastic job of it i agree with you i think maybe with more time and money they could have done a better job like for example the mouth could actually have been mobile i don't i think even the mouth or even the lips are done in post yeah but in in general i think this looks i think it looks really good mm-hmm. The the old sea devils, they had a really long neck because the actor had to look out through it. Oh, and then it essentially wore a sea devil head for a hat. Yeah. These guys look... They're not really given much scope to act. We don't see that many sea devils doing that many things on screen. No, we see the chief walk around every now and then kind of monologue in English. That smirk after the jump is as expressive as he got. Yeah. But still looks pretty cool. Mm. And I'm always happy to have a return of classic foes it's or classic aliens. It's just they could have done more with them. Yeah. Also, not an alien. Not an alien. Yeah, you're right. Yep, I'm yep. so classic sorry. Classic foe. Oh, I apologize <laughs> to all the sea devils in the audience. <laughs> and beyond. And anyone with a heart, frankly, because that was very insensitive of me. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. Excellent question. Really yeah. good question. Do you have a question? Solid, I'll ask you a question go as on, well. Go on, Did you also think that the Sea Devil Gizmo aboard their ship looked a bit like a TARDIS console? Even down to the lever that's Oh, goodness. Pulled? Yes. And when she's saying, the car, we've got to protect the car, it's going to breach or whatever. And very much it looks like a repurposed TARDIS just glowing slightly greener than before. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. I don't know if that's a reused prop or if it's... Yeah, I don't know what it is. It just, it it felt very TARDIS-like. Yeah. Yeah. Right, ping pong. One of those two. Die. <laughs> She's contractually obliged to use the word weird in place of 80% of her uttered adjectives. <laughs> whilst Dan prepares for the end of his contract. Yeah, die. What is this? What is there to say about die? Just continued dissatisfaction, I think. With her? Or, because she doesn't yeah. really play that big a part here. It's odd that she shows up at the end, I think. Well, that's what I mean. It's odd at the end of Flux that she acted as she did. It was just so John Bishop could travel a little while longer. Yeah. And and like, how do we get rid of John Bishop? Yeah. Die. Die, yeah. And you know what, do we changed need? her mind because she's clearly a very lonely person because she only works in a museum. She's only people-facing <laughs> in her job every damn day. Like she hasn't got any opportunity to meet other people. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't remember. We're going to see this in the next episode in Power of the Doctor. Yeah. I don't remember who joins the post-doc anonymous, or the companions anonymous thing. Yeah. Is Dan part of it? Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. I know Ian Chesterton's part of it. <laughs> Damn right he is. Yeah. Yeah. Mel B is part of it as well, as I recall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because if he... Because it... Mm. We'll discuss it next time. My my point here is just that it continues to be tissue thin, her motivations, beyond servicing the continuation of the TV show. See, this is another thing that strikes me as so obviously just about this era coming to a close. Uh-huh. Yes. That call at the end is 
ham-fisted. Yeah. We did not need it. And it's nothing to do with die. I just killed like a dozen aliens. <laughs> Either I'm really proud or I'm a bit fucked up about it, if I'm honest. <laughs> but no, it's just... I got all these adventures and, and Sheffield, she don't want to know. I'm running on, on pure adrenaline and I've got a raging boner. I, no, I, I still can't do the accent. You know what? <laughs> Fuck it. I'm never going to learn this accent. <laughs> well, fortunately, you won't have to because 10 minutes from now, <laughs> Doctor Who footage wise, he'll be gone. Uh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, your, your question for me didn't lend me very much to say. So I'm going to say, while mm-hmm. I was putting my review together and saying there are decent sections, in describing the decent section, I actually came up with another problem. Yes. Which was hear it. the plan to go back in time and find the ship and come back with the treasure is, is clever enough and engaging for a while. At least if you don't think about that's what they were actually trying to do in the first place at the beginning of the episode. But the TARDIS was forced off course and now for some reason it's not. Ah, And that's when I got really... <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Explain that to me again. They, they were... are searching at the beginning of the episode for the treasure, the lost treasure of the Flor de Lamar. Are they? Yes, that is why they're surprised to rock up on this really scabby beach. Centuries out from where they were targeting. I missed that that's what they were after in the first place. Yeah, that, she says it at the end of Eva the Daleks. Oh, have you, what about the lost treasure of the Flor de Lamar? Pulls the lever. Off we go. You're r- yes, you're right. Yeah. So when they <laughs> need it to set something up, couldn't possibly, but when they need to go there, bang on. Yeah, all right. That's that's a bit cheap. It's not helped by the fact that we could have had a five-minute episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I've I got one thing. Let's hear it. And I think I may have mentioned it on the show before. When I introduced Cat to Doctor Who, yes. how I mentioned this. Imagine it again. It's so good. Shall I do it anyway? I'll, do yeah, it sorry, anyway. I'll do it again. So her first episode, first ever Doctor Who episode was Eva the Daleks. Pretty good. 4.6 from me. Pretty good. She was not super duper enthused. Well, there were some things you had to forgive and overlook on yes. the way to that 4.6. Sure. Yeah, and she certainly wasn't particularly happy about Dan. Yeah. The acting in particular, as I recall. And he makes no apologies to Yaz for outing her here, by the way. Correct. Why Why? Why would he? He's yeah. manspread all across the third act. Like, there's <laughs> no need for him to apologize or take responsibility. Second ever episode Kat watches, because these are the specials. The uh-huh. second ever episode she watches is this episode. Uh-oh. And immediately, I remember two parts of the episode at which she, I can't remember how she phrased it, but you could you could see any potential joy associated with Doctor Who. Something near and dear to your heart, very important in your life. A whole universe of stories, of mm. adventures. Yeah. Any potential joy associated with it just flickering away. Oh. Those two scenes were the net scene in the beginning. We didn't even talk about the net. The net. Oh, if you like, we can put an asterisk and talk about the net. Oh. I'm curious to hear your, your thoughts on it. And the second one was Dan just wandering off on his side quest without consulting his co-companion or the dog, just heading off on a vengeance trip with <laughs> the newly orphaned, can't remember his name. And lucky that they swam all the way to that ship without being eaten by the giant sea monster, eh? Oh, yeah, there's that as well. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Mm. 
But so it makes me wonder what happened after we watched this episode and Kat basically went, I don't understand why you've devoted nearly a decade at this point of your life to discussing this on a podcast because this is an utter turd of a show. Valid opinion and valid question based on On, this. On this, yeah. Yeah. And I basically said, okay, let me, please let me salvage this. Let me pick one episode. We'll watch it. And if you still hate it, then fine. Fair enough. I'll never subject you to this again. And I showed her the 11th hour and she fucking loved it. Phew. Uh, and just went, I get it. I understand why you love this show. That was, that was tremendous. The writing was great. The acting was fantastic. Matt Smith was terrific. The companions had chemistry, yada, yada, yada. That was charm. That was charm. And I'm, in, I'm intrigued. I want to see the next one. Yeah. So what about all the people who jumped in that year and they saw those two episodes? How many people were dissuaded from watching the rest of Doctor Who because of this? Well, you will be glad to hear that this episode got the lowest viewing figures in New Who history. Thank goodness. 2.2 million overnight. Thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm aware that a lot of people worked very hard on this this episode, undoubtedly. But yeah, let's minimize the collateral damage if we can. That's that's not a bad thing. Mm. Anyway, yeah, there you go. Well, I can't pull us up from that trench of despond. So Did you want to talk about the nets? Do you have opinions uh, about really it? I've really got nothing more to say on it except Sorry. why no. <laughs> <laughs> Again, just sheer laziness. Yeah. We need a trap. The trap can't have existed before they got there. If it had, the dad would have used it. Like, oh, yeah. on Madam Ching. So... No. Why? No. Ratings? Ratings. <laughs> and now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 Ratings. Welcome to the ratings part of this episode, Podcast Land. I'm going to go first because I want to get this out of the way. You can see why this got the lowest viewing figures in New Who history. The word of mouth was so bad it actually travelled back in time. It rippled through the time vortex and dissuaded us from watching. Or we were all at Easter church services, one or the other. There aren't even any trivia Easter eggs in this whole Easter not special. It's weirdly adrift on the ocean, as it were. This is another black spot on Chibber's resume. Another Davy Jones's shocker. Jodie Whittaker as the Doctor is the best thing about it. We didn't get a Thasmin kiss, but be careful what you wish for, because when RTD's back in the hot seat and every one of his promised sexy Doctor shots has got body fluids flying everywhere, with the lens perpetually dripping with one ooze or another, we may look back on this relative chastity with fondness, some of us perhaps. (laughs) There were competent sections, but goodness, they really stood out from the rest of it, which says all you need to know. Yaz's suggestions about ocean current Wow, Yaz said something worthwhile. (laughs) And that was it. The rest of the time she was boneheaded and completely unworthy of the Doctor's professed affections. So I bigged up Jodie before. Well done, Jodie. This is no slight on you, but I'm giving this one 0.8 entirely absent pirate confederations. Wow. (laughs) 0.8. Yeah. Terrific many. Uh, Utterly terrific many. Right. Well... (laughs) Tough one to follow. You're the man for the job. Well, I don't know about that, but here goes. You know what? It brings me very little satisfaction, not even an, an ounce of schadenfreude, to realize that just as I was beginning to think Chibbers knew how to spin a good yarn, he comes up with this unremitting waste of time. The handful of speaking characters can be divided into poorly written ones and poorly portrayed ones. Some of our esteemed cast even managed to plant a foot in each camp. <laughs> 
you're so right that Whitaker is the best thing about this episode, but it's too little, too late, not enough to salvage this shitstorm, because with the exception of their date, which I found incredibly charming, I'm entirely uninterested in Yaz and Doc here, give or take far less than entirely. Mm. Dan, meanwhile, completely pointless, annoyingly so, not not two of them can act. <laughs> They've all been written to be assholes. The companion of the week is emotionally stunted and I assume won a competition to appear on television. The two pirates are wasted opportunities to weave an actually relevant story that stands a chance at teaching the audience, us, something mm. new, something that Doctor Who used to stand for. Some of the effects are excellent. Most of the rest look like placeholder compositions. And oh, the, the skimming stones. Oh, flipping eggs. That's utter shit. Also, the editing of this episode can eat my whole ass. Greatest asset, the date, and reintroducing the Sea Devils. Biggest flaws, the episode as a whole, and reintroducing the Sea Devils in it. Mm. We've covered it all already, and I'm frankly disinclined to invest more of my limited time on this planet in Legend of the Sea Devils. Sod it, one more note, cannonballs don't <laughs> explode when they hit each oh other. They're not made of petrol-soaked gunpowder. <laughs> Main takeaway, don't be mad at me, Podcast Land. I gave Flux a reasonably high score rating. 0.3 for reference that is <gasps> half of what i gave orphan 55 so yes we have both rated this lower than we did the curse of the black spot you gave it 1.0 i gave it 1.3 lowest whitaker for me lowest chibbers really yeah wow. wait what is lower than this for you orphan oh yeah oh, oh yeah. yeah oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst episode in doctor's history in my opinion what's what's his name again whose name the guy in orphan 55 which one? Benny! Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Benny! Benny! <laughs> oh, man, of course. Yeah. 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 Those are our opinions. Mm. Anyone else have opinions? Let's find out. This is Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Ladies and gentlemen, and all in between and beyond, welcome to the listener mini section of this podcast. We have a Hello. fistful of hollers. Five today. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. Hello, everyone. Thanks for sending something in for this. We're only going to read out three. Yeah. The first is from Isaac. Hello, Isaac. Isaac begins. Okay, now just hear me out here. But so... 3.2. Wait, wait, wait. Hang on. Let me explain. I can explain. You see, I love the Sea Devils. Uh -huh. My favourite story is Warriors of the Deep. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no, don't, don't leave. Just give me a second. Just please for a minute. Let's all put our guns down and talk. Okay? So... Fantastic stuff, Isaac. Isaac continues, This is harmless fun. It's a real middle story, but it's a solid hour of swashbuckling with incredible sea devil costumes and some lovely scenes between the Doctor and Yaz. As a big Thasmin fan, watching the Doctor desperately try to prevent the poles switching while gently letting Yaz down is the highlight of the episode. Not the result I wanted, boo, but a gentle reminder that not all relationships go the way you want them to. Also like the small touch of the base lights going pink after Doc admits that Yaz would be her person if she were to have a relationship. Yes, I noticed oh. that as well. It goes from <laughs> like green to pink when she de kind of declares her love without saying as much. And then when she goes like full anger mode, it turns dark red, I think. Oh, right. Okay. Mm. Yeah, nice one. Yeah. 
Well, at least they, in dodging a kiss, gave them something potentially more meaningful than a kiss. Yeah. Not in terms of representation, perhaps, but, but then again, perhaps, because... You don't want necessarily your representation in Breaking New Ground to start off with the superficial stuff. Yeah. It's just I, that kisses get headlines, right? I, kisses do get headlines. I don't remember how I felt about this at the end of Power of the Doctor, and we'll discuss it the next time. But okay. And I have a feeling that I was quite happy with how they resolved it there. But at this point, not having seen Power of the Doctor yet... I really just want those two to be a couple. I just want them to declare their love for one another and be a couple. Who cares if one of them regenerates next time? Yeah. Ugh, Dak Nabbit. Anyway, is that all Isaac says? Well, no, I just wanted to pick up on Isaac saying this was harmless fun. It's great that some people thought this was harmless fun. Yeah. Not not with you next to cats, but (laughs) clearly not everybody feels the same way we do, and that's good. Yeah. I also think Isaac is right about this being a solid, what, 42 minutes of swashbuckling with incredible scene of it. Yeah, there was one lovely scene and another couple of lovely lines between yeah. the Doctor and Yaz. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's plurality there. Absolutely. Aside from that, that one sea devil took a swinging pulley to the balls. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> and Isaac concludes, you know what? I took myself up. 3.3! Where are you going? I have more to say about... Hello? Hello? Anyone? <laughs> Isaac, fantastic stuff. You have a huge heart. People who are not Isaac need to tell Isaac to go and see a cardiologist pronto. Isaac can be found where? At MS Monster Adams. That's Adams with one D. That's Adams with one D. (laughs) Doobly-doo. Thank you very much, (laughs) Isaac. (laughs) Who's next? Why, next up, it's GP Haynes. It's GP. I said G. You say P. G. P. G. P. Yeah, that's right. Hello, GP. Slick. (laughs) GP starts. Hello, lovely people. I really wanted to like this. Oh, so did everyone but Isaac. The production is mostly gorgeous, and the updated modern sea devils look incredible. But there are so many holes and niggly little things. Why? 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 But first, please, why is Dan so stupid? He is just so annoying. Go already! This episode did start promisingly, and I have to admit, parts of it were entertaining, but not engrossing. I feel like the whole thing is half-finished or rushed. What happened? Why are some parts of the CGI seamless and realistic, but other parts, like the sea battle, look so fake? Yeah. It took me out of the story. Totally. Ooh, there's a comment about the editing. (laughs) Some scenes go abruptly to the next without explanation. And don't get me started on the sword fight and the flat humour dispersed in said fight. Sorry, but Dan and Yaz should be dead. (laughs) Oh dear, this is not easy. What a rate to this then. Maybe straight down the middle, I think? Okay, slightly left. Mm, 2.4, I think? Sad face? GP, solid. Solid stuff. Yeah. <laughs> okay, looks like we're the outliers tonight. Yeah, thank you very much for that, GP. People who are not GP, find some G-spots with GP's help. You can be found where? In Australia, at Finding G-spots. When he's not travelling the rest of the world. Ooh, ah. Yeah, check him out. Instagram and YouTubes. Thank you very much, GP. Who's next? Why, next up, it's Michael. Ridgeway! Ridgeway! 
Hello, Michael. Love you, Michael. I can't believe he was in the studio. He was sat next to me, and I he didn't was, he say... He was sitting where you are sitting right now. And I didn't say to him in that episode how I loved him. I could have said it to his face. <laughs> he knows. He does, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're rock solid. <laughs> does Michael begin with a list of anything? Oh, you betcha. Michael starts with a list of likes. First like, sea devils looking as wonderfully rubbery as they did in the classics, complete with poorly synchronized speech-to-mouth movement. Hurrah! Next like, a significant step up in the cultural sensitivity department from the last oriental adventure, Talons of Wang Chiang. Ah, yes. And last like, a cool sea monster. Wait a minute, what happened to that? Nothing, don't ask any questions. <laughs> Michael then provides a list of beefs. First, beef. How many times does the Doctor have to save humanity from being murdered by the sea devils before she slash he stops calling them conflict-averse and honourable? <laughs> and why does the Doctor get tetchy when the chief sea devil is justly killed? This guy slaughtered a village. True. But then is happy to implode the sea devil's base, killing all of them. That's what I said. I maintain this. Word for word. <laughs> <laughs> A last boof. Some of the non-CG sets seemed a little on the cost-saving side. Mm. Presumably having the local primary school decorate the Sea Devil ship saved some budget for the next episode. <laughs> and Michael concludes with a rating of 2 out of 5 villagers randomly hacked to bits by a loony Sea Devil. Ouch. Yeah. 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 Thank you very much, Michael. Fantastic mini, as always. People who are not Michael should head on over to Michael at bad. Underscore. Movie. Underscore. Club. And also listen to the recent seventh Doctor Retrospective featuring none other than Michael. Richway. Richway. <laughs> so big. <laughs> oh, my goodness. We have to do the whole of the Power of the Doctor in sync. Just... Let's let's try it. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Who's next? Why next up in mini mini form? It's Kieran Evans. Hello, Kieran. And Kieran says one point two out of five. It's my lowest score for Jody. So agrees with you. Worst Whitaker episode. Yeah. Absolutely. Here's another friend who agrees with me. Thank you very much, Kieran. Peeps, head on over to whobackwanna.com, read it in its full splendor, and say hi to Kieran at. KJ Evans 2 for all your Evan needs. Yeah, available where all good Evans can be found. Thank you very much, Kieran. Who's last? Why, last up, it's Ollie Raven. <coughs> Hello, Ollie. And Ollie, similarly, micros. Overall, I award it 1.9 sunken treasures out of five. Wow. We yeah. are miles below everybody else. I know. I know. Especially I know. you. I know. I'm going to throw you under the sea monster. <laughs> it's not the first time. The, the, <laughs> I don't know what that means. Even these two that are the lowest two, right? 1.2, yeah. 1.9. Yeah. yeah. We micro them. There's some really good points in there. Yes, definitely. Yeah, miles above us. You're so right. I should also say, people who are not Ollie, please do read Ollie's mini in its full splendor and say hi to Ollie online as well. Ollie can be found at Foggy, the Doctor Who. Thank you very much, Ollie. Thank you very much, very much, everyone who sent something in for this. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Is this it? Not quite. <laughs> I think we've got one more of everything. 
Holy smokes, yeah. We are looking at what's next up, and it's from here to the end of the podcast, guys. Well, we've got we've got bonuses, and we have yet to figure out what to do after that, but we do have the bonus of the, uh, what's it called? The anniversary special. Exactly, the unofficial anniversaries. Scream of the Schalke. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay. And we have a Who Back When Respective at some point. Yeah. We'll figure it out, Podcast Land, but what is next? Next up, very next up, is the final ever classic. That's right. Doctor Who, colon, the punctuation, the movie. Such a good film. Excellent film. Great master. Mm-hmm. Not a single leather duster in the entire film. Mm. No one wears sunglasses indoors. Eric Roberts <laughs> is not in it. It's a great film. <laughs> you should watch it. What timeline have you stumbled <laughs> in from? <laughs> I can't wait to see that, actually. I've only seen it once in my life. Yeah, same. Yeah. I will be there if at all possible. Please, please do be here. Make make it possible. We'll <laughs> pop it on the little big screen, if you like. Have um, some popcorn. Yeah, nice. Let's yeah, do that. Yeah. After that, we're going to be heading into Audio Who land, because canonically, it does happen after Legend of the Sea Devils. Yes. We will be reviewing Doctor Who, colon, the punctuation, <laughs> redacted. And then... After that, yes, it's the power of the Doctor in the New Who channel. The very last of Whitaker, the very last of Chibbers, last of Yaz, last of Dan, the last of Doctor Who to date. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Holy moly! When is the next special out? The Tenant special is it in November? You're right, November twenty-three. So we may have finished all of this before then. We will definitely have finished all of this before Well, there then. you go then. Because we've only got a few bonuses. The anniversaries we talked about. Retrospective, maybe a big overall retrospective. Yeah, you're so right. Don't uh, hold your breath waiting for our Torchwood review, guys. I, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it pens down. <laughs> <laughs> we do have another upcoming bonus episode. And that will be the, as in imminently upcoming that is the 13th doctor retrospective everything else is everything else we'll figure it out there is an episode schedule stop asking me <laughs> podcast land there's <laughs> like, an episode schedule it's available on the website it's available <laughs> all over the place you can even put it on your phone it's nice people care i just had a lot of work on last week podcast land and i was still coming down from the high of being with michael I, I studio. Know. we were we were all seeing a doctor after that one it's like oh, am i meant to be <laughs> This long? I mean, come on. <laughs> At a certain point, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So, well, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Thank you for a fantastic evening, dude. Yeah. Until next time, you can catch Leon mm-hmm. online. Yeah, you can absolutely say hi to me. I can be found at Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Yep, on whatever it's called these days. X, I believe. Yeah, uh, whatever. And <laughs> me, along with everyone else, contactable at whobackwhen at gmail.com. Yes, indeed. Uh, and at who back when on uh, on, t- on Twitter blah, X blah, blah. Yeah, Elon yeah. Musk's latest business failure. <laughs> 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 Thank you so much, Podcast Land. You've been a lovely audience. Oh yes, we are so close. Hang in there. Yeah, yeah. This is podcast edging. <laughs> <laughs> Until the next time, rock on and bye bye. Yeah, be right next to each other. Ciao ciao. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of who back when. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash who back when. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at who back when. All in one word. 
Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?